Episode 129 of Amari Purple Talk, the music podcast that talks about Prince, Prince-related artists, music, videos, and everything in the purple world of the purple musical singularity. I'm Richard Cole, your host for the festivities. Uh, welcome back. Um, this is being recorded in the middle of the Thanksgiving holiday. So this is um, on a Friday and just finished eating some leftovers. So pretty full. So if I sound a little tired and winded, it's because a brother ate good. So I uh, hope everyone has had an enjoyable and safe holiday weekend thus far. Um, kind of not a lot going on in the... Prince world. I'm going to kind of talk about some things regarding that in a moment after I do the Morris Day album review. Uh, but before I even talk about that, um, just kind of making some changes uh, within Amari Purple Talk. Um, the next episode, uh, we'll return to the guest host format. Um, so I have a guest on on the next episode and hopefully next couple of episodes can squeeze in a guest uh, before the holiday season really starts to kick in. Um, also, I am um, launching a new show probably at the way things are going. It'll probably be 2023 into the new year. And that show will be called Amari Album Cut. And that's going to be a show where eh, we'll talk about some Prince albums, but um, just albums, you know, whether some of my personal favorites from other artists, um, you know, have a guest on and have them talk about their favorite album. Uh, so kind of a little bit of a departure from the purple musical singularity with that show. But that show will be a Patreon exclusive. So the only way you'll get to hear that show, at least for a good long while, will be on Patreon. So uh, there is a Patreon link in the show notes. Um, I revised that page. Uh, so if you're listening to a previous episode and you click that link, that link won't exist. But the actual current link for Patreon going forward will be found in the show notes of this episode. So become a supporter. Check it out. Uh, get exclusive content. Uh, there will be exclusive Amari Purple Talk content on there as well. And some other things. And plus you get, get some free stuff too. So like I said, by all means, you know, after you're done with your shopping, go on and jump on and become a supporter, you know, and depending on the tier, you can get definitely get shout outs uh, in different episodes. 
Uh, also, too, at some of the higher tiers, you can submit a question or topic um, that I will make an exclusive uh, video for or devote an entire episode for. And you will get a shout out and credit for that idea as well. So, like I said, become a supporter and check it out. You know, it's lots of fun things to come. So, that out of the way, let's talk about the Morris Day album, Last Call. Uh, I kind of gave my initial thoughts on it last episode. And... Like I said, um, the best listening experience to this is on possibly the best sound speaker system you can find. Uh, the production on this album is solid. And what I mean by solid, it's well done. I mean, there's production, you know, and then there's good production. And then there's that kind of production to where, you know, your ears, you know, it take, you know, it kind of goes to almost a near metaphysical listening experience, you know, because you're feeling the the lows and the highs and the mid ranges and all the nuances, you know, everything, you know, there's not a there's not a bad note to be found on this album at all. Um, now granted, you know, for those, you know, if you're expecting, you know, strictly the time or that Minneapolis sound, um, you won't get it so much with this. There are hints of it here and there on different tracks. Um, but this is a very contemporary, you know, um, R&B, R&B slash hip-hop, contemporary R&B slash hip-hop. Um, you know, kind of, I think I made the comparison to kind of a lot of Charlie Wilson's uh, output over the last, you know, maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years, uh, to where, you know, you, it's, it's grown folks music, but it's brought into today where it's not a cliché, it's not, you know, it's not contrived or anything like that. Um, but yeah, this is an amazing, amazing record. Um, you know, just kind of, I don't know, I won't go track per track, but um, a lot of the highlights for me after kind of living with this for a while now, uh, Stay Funkin', which is the first track. Um, that's a track that has grown on me since the first listen. Like the first listen, I was kind of like, okay, this is cool, but uh, I don't know, you know. <laughs> but the more I listen to it, the more I get hooked on this track. Um, track two, Baddest Girl in the Room, at first was kind of between track one and track two. Uh, track two, Baddest Girl in the Room. That was the superior track to me now listening they're kind of neck and neck and it's a good flow you know i always like albums to where at least the first four songs you kind of have that sequence to where it's like okay this is going to be an album listening experience you know it's like okay i'm not going to 
like track one or skip track one and go to this track. It's like, okay, from track one, kick back, listen. Uh, but yeah, both, um, like I said, that kind of contemporary, you know, sort of radio friendly, you know, if radio was like it was back in the day, and I'm talking like, you know, the 60s, 70s, maybe early to mid 80s. Yeah, definitely a lot of this stuff would be getting a lot of, lot of airplay. But, you know, we kind of live in a different era now, you know, to where we have streaming and Sirius XM and all of that. But, you know, like I said, by all means, this is something that you definitely listen to. I uh, used to be a player of uh, the track featuring Snoop Dogg is and you know i did a um patreon only review of that so again jump on that patreon and you get that exclusive content um but basically my thoughts with this i love that this track um you know it again it's not contrived nothing is out of place you know there's good chemistry and i think that's what makes this work is the chemistry you know that Morris Day has with the guest artist to where you know looking at it on the CD cover you can might feel like it might be like oh, okay this is whatever you know record company record company obligation but no you know there's there's not a wrong artist or I put it this way there's not a wrong guest artist on this CD. Uh, but yeah, but used to be a player. Like I said, that one to me was a good choice for a single. Uh, I know there were two singles preceding it. Um, to me, this should have been like maybe first or second. But hey, you know, I get the logic. Like, um, I'm going to skip ahead to the track Head Rush, which was like the first single release for this project. And to me, it's one of those where it's like, okay, I'm back, you know, and it's a good track, you know, it's good, you know, it's not like the, uh, and you know, to compare it to maybe, you know, a Prince single from back in the, the eighties, you know, where it's kind of like, okay, this is a no brainer, you know, when doves cry. This is it. You know, you open up and you open up big. You know, this is your first single and that first single's big. Then you have artists that you kind of, you know, you release a single and it's just enough to let people know you're back. Like it's it gets on the radio and it can still go top 10, top 5. It might still get lucky enough to get to number 1. But then it's like the album drops and then there's that second single. That's kind of like that big one-two punch, like what a uh, when doves cry or sign of the times or a kiss would do. And to me, head rush was kind of that. Okay, I'm back. You know, I'm probably hadn't heard a record from me in a while, or I've been dropping a few singles here and there, but this one is kind of, you know, that next level one. But it's just let you know I'm back. But wait till you hear the album. And again, there's nothing wrong with that approach. You know, it's just depending on what type of album and what type of tracks 
and how you want to pace the momentum of that album. So back to used to be a player to me personally, that should have been like a number, you know, first single or at least second single. Um, the number four in my ride, this was a track that was on a, an album that was credited to Morris Day in the time, I think, or it was just a Morris Day album. But the majority of that album was a Morris Day in the time live album uh, with whatever the current lineup was at that time. We're talking about like 2004. I think this came out. And um, it was a live album, but then like the last four tracks were studio tracks. Which, you know, was... I thought that was a bit strange. Like, you know, it should have been a Morris Day and the time of original music. Now, I don't know if there were contractual things going on or if Prince wouldn't allow Morris to use the name for a project like that. You know, I I don't know the ins and outs about it. But regardless, at one point, this album exists. You can still listen to it on streaming. The name of it is called It's About Time. Um, But again, there were four tracks on it that were um, studio tracks. And one of those tracks was this, uh, it was In My Ride, and it was a, you know, um, collaboration with uh, Jazzy Faye and E-40. And I was saying last episode that on that project of the studio tracks, that was one of my favorite tracks. And it's a pity that it didn't get any kind of promotion or airplay or anything like that. Hence, it's resurfacing here. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the track on this one is a remix. Um, I think Moore's Day on social media said that, um, or somewhere, Jazzy Faye did a remix of this track for Last Call. And there's another song in here called Last Night, um, which I haven't really done an A and B comparison. Um, If it's the same song as what was on It's About Time, that one is a more radical difference in the mix. But I don't know if it's the same song. So I have to go back and do a literal A and B comparison on that but uh definitely in my ride is you know again i was kind of put off by it being included on this because it's like oh well i've heard this one before but the remix it has a freshness to it so it it's still the same track but you notice a lot of the different nuances there's some things that you know they've been brought up more in the mix or some things that were taken out um, what I love is that they kept the part of, oh yeah, I forgot about the bridge. And it kind of goes into that little funky time-esque. I just invented the word, folks. That time-esque groove, you know? And I was, I was happy that they kept that in this remix because that was one of my favorite parts of it. And again, you know, it's cool to have E40. You know, it's like I haven't heard any E40 in a long 
long time. So it was, you know, I, I kind of missed that West Coast sound, you know, <laughs> that, you know, like E-40 and Too Short and, you know, cats like that. Um, so I'm glad that a track like this has kind of surfaced and, you know, and it's on such a mainstream release now that, you know, the world can get to hear this. And, you know, for those of you who may not have heard of E-40, then definitely, you know, you talk about some, some rhyme skills, you know, E-40 is the cat to check out. Uh, number five is Naked Club featuring Tech Nine. And, you know, what's, what's great about this album, too, is that it, you know, like I said, a lot of it is contemporary, but it just kind of has that edge to it that takes me back to going to the different, you know, different clubs, whether it's a dance club or, you know, you know, someplace like that, you know, um, it's weird, you know, it's like it, it, it takes me back to that, you know, it's where it's like, you know, you in the rides, you got these type of sounds pumping or you go to that club and it's got these sounds bumping when you walk into the door. And it's like you you just feel like, you you know, I feel like a, you know, a, a Jack and Coke or, you know, cranberry and rum or something is about to materialize in my hand at, at any moment <laughs> you know that's just how powerful these tracks are and like i said it's a testament to the production on this entire album like i said if it can make you feel like whether you're in the confines of your own home and years i'm getting into maybe a decade or so a decade or two or a decade and a half away from the clubs and you had that feeling when you listened to this. Yeah, that, that's a testament to some pretty strong, pretty strong production. Um, smells Like Money. Um, again, it's not a bad track. And I guess to me, one of the weakest. But that's not, you know, putting it down. That's not saying it's a whack track, you know. But it's like, I just enjoy the other tracks up until that point more than I like this one. But again, it's it's one of those things I don't skip it when I play it. You know, I just let the song go. And you know, I don't have a bad experience or don't feel like I've had a bad experience. Uh Too Much Girl for Me fe featuring Billy Gibbons, uh formerly of ZZ Top. Um that was kind of the, the left field collaboration for me because it's like, well, you know, he could have called Jesse to come in and do this type of a track. But, you know, knowing what I know about Morris's musical taste or his musical instincts after having read his book, you know, I knew the cat was a, a, a very strong, competent musician, you know, an excellent drummer. Um, but when you read his book, you really get to kind of, in some sections, kind of get to pick his brain on musical taste, you know, like jazz or rock or, you know, somebody like a Frank Zappa or somebody, you know, 
that was a very interesting and refreshing, you know, because he wasn't just some cat, you know, that, okay, yeah, he's a great musician, but he's, you know, into music, you know, he's into music, he's just not stuck in one genre. So, but again, you know, this is, a, a again, strong production, you know, strong guitar playing by Billy Gibbons on this. Um, and it, it, it kind of harkens back to, it does kind of harken back to some of the stuff on Condensate, you know, by the original seven. Um, kind of has that feel like this song wouldn't be out of place on that album. Uh, so sexy featuring Flow Rider again, kind of like smells like the money. It's not one of my favorite favorite tracks on it, um, but again, it's not anything where like okay, I'm skipping this one. You know, I let it let it go. Uh, Grown man featuring Big Daddy Kane. Um, prior to used to be a player dropping as a single. Uh, this was a single that preceded that one, uh, to which this was the second single. And again, you know, good choice for a second single on this. Um, again, this is something else that, you know, should be getting more radio play. You know, that should be getting some kind of, you know, some kind of attention out there in musical circles. Um, so again, you know, by all means, check this track out. Uh, Head Rush, which I talked about earlier, uh, featuring uh, Trinidad James. Um, like I said, it was one of those tracks that kind of, you know, like I said, it kind of lets you know, okay, I'm back, you know, hadn't dropped a record in a while. You know, here's this, you know, guest artist I'm with, you know, got the collab going. I don't know, this one... To me, and this is just my ears on it, you know, you might hear something different on it. But to me, this kind of had that feel of, say, whatever Pharrell or Timberland would do with a Justin Timberlake record. You know, where it's, again, it's that solid production, and that's the thing that really gets it over. And, you know, in my opinion, I think it's one of those things like, you know, Okay, yeah, you got these cats like a Justin Timberlake and a Robin Thicke out here trying to do this kind of music. You know, we're going to let you know this is, you know, you know, no slight against Pharrell or Tim, you know, a Timberland. But, you know, it's like, hey, you know, black artists can bring this just as hard, you know, or, you know, we still in it. You know, we haven't abandoned that type of sound, you know, or competing with that sound. So I kind of get the, again, the production instincts on this are pretty solid. You know, I get it, you know, so it, again, it works as a, it worked as a first single and it worked in a way again to build the momentum for this album. And then last night featuring daddy O uh, like I said, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to uh, the last night that's on It's About Time and do a strict A and B comparison on it. Because um, I, I want to say that it's different different lyrics almost. That's I think I think it is different. This song is different. And that being said, I like the 
I would say the lyrics and the vocal arrangement on this one better than the version that's on It's About Time. Uh, I think it works better. Um, I think it is kind of one of the most time, again, let's bring that word back in there, time-esque. <laughs> it's got that time-esque feel to it. and But it's the time-esque to, you know, brought up today. And I, I think it's a pretty good track. And then finally, we have the last track, which is the title track, Last Call. And, you know, um, I say it's kind of, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say ironic, but, you know, you have kind of those classic ballads with the time, like Gigolos Get Lonely too. You have um, Girl, you have Oh Baby, even with the solo stuff, you have Don't Wait For Me, and you have Love Is A Game, and those ballads, you know, those ballads on there um you know even fast forward to pandemonium you know sometimes i get lonely that track um so i was kind of shocked that there wasn't a similar type of ballad on this i mean this this album parties all the way to the end but i get it i do get it um like i said and this is a minor minor criticism but it would have been cool if you had that kind of a ballad thrown in there and place it in a way that doesn't wreck the flow. You know, just, again, think like the mind of a DJ in a club. There is a moment where you do kind of have the, well, I don't know. Do people, I don't know. People do even do slow songs anymore in clubs. I doubt it. But so, again, I get it. You know, I'm kind of going too far back in time. You know, with the club days to where, you know, people, you know, the DJs did play slow songs. But again, it's a minor, minor criticism. But I get how conceptually you just got this party just going and going and going. And yet you kind of have this balance of, you know, still to, you know, still the man, still the player, still cool. But. You know, I'm becoming that elder statesman. You know, you becoming that that mentor. You know, now you you know you the you know. There's nothing else left to prove to anybody. You've accomplished it all, and it shows. So I get where that party is going, and yet and still you have that balance. You know, where it's handled from a perspective of maturity or wisdom. I say more wisdom. You know. And then you get to the last track on this, which is Last Call, which, you know, we all understand what this album is representing. This is the last solo project for Moore's Day. Yeah. And it's a very sentimental ballad, um, probably amongst the most sentimental. I think lyrically, maybe the closest would be the character you know i would say in just that you know just the strong lyrical content and you know what this represents and i think it works i think it works you know it's a strong finish to the record um like i said not 
how we're used to hearing Morris Day, but like I said, given what this album is and what it's meant to represent, it works. It definitely works. Um, so that being said, uh, my final thought on the album, like I said, overall, as far as Morris Day's solo output, uh, this is the first album that I have enjoyed all the way through um, since Daydreaming. Um, I mean, because there's parts of Daydreaming now, if I go back and play it, uh, there's a couple of tracks that is kind of like, okay, you know, I, I can't listen to this the same way I did in 1989. But, you know, but like I said, to me, this was this is the strongest one. Um, it's about time. It doesn't count because it's only four studio tracks of Moore's Day as a solo artist. Uh, but, you know, a good 70 to 80 percent of that album is a live concert of Moore's Day and the time. And they're doing all the classic time tracks and, you know, maybe fishnet thrown in for the solo stuff. Um Again, if you're looking for the classic time, you know, whether it's the time, what time is it, Ice Cream Castles. Again, there's very little that's reminiscent of that sound, uh, but there's enough of it that's placed in here that doesn't feel dated. You know, you won't go like, oh, they're rehashing that. You know, they're not, you know, you know, they're not rehashing any of that. You know, or it hasn't become a cliche. Um, but uh, I would say on par with Pandemonium and on par with Condensate, yeah, this stands up to both of those um like i said the the other stuff uh what time is it ice cream castles the the first album it's like apples and oranges you know that was great that was a great sound you know that's part of you know my coming up in the 80s you know being 15 16 17 18 for that you know it's in the class by itself um but for strong time material like Again, pandemonium, um, you know, condensate, um, Morse Day solo stuff, so uh, color of success, um, daydreaming. Then yes, definitely the last call holds up to that very, very well. It stands up. Again, go out, get you a physical CD, put it on your best CD sound system. You know, definitely bump it in the ride if you, you know, just out and about or you heading to your spot and, like I say, about to get your sip on or whatever, you know, by all means, pick this up. You will not be disappointed. Again, strong album. I hate it's going to be the last solo album, but, you know, hey, I, I hope that there's some original seven reunion projects in the works but again if this is the last one this is a strong one to go out on so thank you Morris Day for this album and 
like I say, people check it out. Check it out on streaming. Let me know what you think about Last Call by Morris Day. Leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts. All right, so kind of moving on to the next topic. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Um, I mean, obviously things in Prince World, as far as the estate, have been very, very quiet. And I think, as I said last episode, and maybe the episode before that, too quiet. Too, too quiet. And, you know, there's been rumblings on social media. Um, I think, you know, it's just the speculation and the anticipation. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, I get it. You know, it's like you just, you know, people are anxious. You know, they want something new. They want some information, something to happen, uh, some big announcement, you know. And, you know, whether it's the super deluxe you want, whether it's the super deluxe you don't want, whether it's some other project out of left field, whether it's your favorite late era album, you know, what have you, you know, it's, there's no news. And, you know, you look around and you see these other, you know, estates or legacy artists, you know, dropping box sets right and left, you know, anniversary edition of this, super deluxe version of that, and, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, Prince fans are feeling a little left out in the cold. Well, you know, again, and hopefully this will be my last time trying to, you know, for, you know, my listeners of Amari Purple Talk to, you know, try to keep some perspective and some understanding, you know. Now, granted, you know, myself, you know, I'm just a, a pundit, you know, and, you know, to a certain degree, you know, I make music, you know, and have had, you know, my toe in the water of the music business, you know, some of my other fellow podcasters, again, to varying degrees of knowledge and understanding, you know, some of them have a toe in the, in the water of the music business, you know, some have dived in, you know, full on deep into the music business and have that understanding and the knowledge of how things work. And you know, then there's the, you know, rest of the fan community that it's just like, you know, hey, your job is to go buy the record. You know, this is, you know, you're a consumer and you don't have to think about these things like contracts, licensing, um, you know, time of release, you know, best time to release something Christmas season or is it, you know, it's the anniversary of this album or anniversary of that album. And, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, you're a fan. You want the music. You want product. You want quality product. And nothing's happening. And like I said, I don't, you know, if you're as much of a fan of other artists to where they have super deluxe editions and box sets, um, 
like I said, again, for those that are in that realm of it, you know, let me try to put some perspective on it one more time or hopefully one last time. You know, right now there has been, you know, there's a a regime change. You know, the regime has changed. The family members that have held on to 100% of their stake in the prince's state. And then you have the other member, family members that have sold their shares to a company called Primary Wave uh, that are very, you know, highly experienced in the areas of publishing and intellectual property, meaning that you know, they know how to place a likeness in a commercial or an ad or, you know, give permission to a movie to do this or give a permission to a commercial to do that with, a, you know, lend the voice or the, the song, you know, for commercials and stuff like that. And those family members that have sold, they may have sold their maybe not completely 100 percent, but practically a 99, if not 100 percent stake um but they still are allowed to have a voice you know to be part of the decision making process now when they didn't have that full on control because of everything and again this is why if you're in you know I guess it's good to have some type of estate planning regardless of what level you're on but because there was not a proper plan in place for any type of estate planning, you know, the chips ended up falling where they did. And for the longest time, while everything was being sorted out in that area, yeah, you know, the money had to keep coming in so they could pay off this tax debt and pave the way for what is about to happen going forward so there may have been some decisions that we as consumers I would say and especially the last half of that previous regime you know we has we as consumers have been extremely satisfied 1999 super deluxe Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. Then, you know, for the later eras. Or, you know, a lot of us fans that have evolved as Prince evolved. And that's something I think about, too. You know, um, I've, I've talked about that ad nauseum. And I might touch on that in a minute. But getting back to the point. Welcome to America. Um, originals. You know, so that sort of last three years of whatever it is, Comerica... You know, whether you enjoyed their decision making or not, I think there's a little bit of sort of backpedaling a bit to where like, well, we didn't get at least the 1999 Super Deluxe. And yeah, I get that. I get it. Um, For me, because of the whole situation of while they were kind of cleaning house for the family members to finally be in the position to take over and actually run the estate. Um, you know, say stepping on 
Morris Day's toes for the use of the name The Time, that was the thing that kind of put me off. The fact that the family members weren't seeing any kind of money come in, you know, and again, I get it, you know, got to deal with the tax man and get that out the way. So again, moving forward, any money you get, you can now profit, you know, you can now enjoy those profits. So, and I think too, you know, there were a lot of things that the family weren't happy with or the family in primary wave or whatever. And then that's the other thing too. Maybe part of that is making sure that all parties are in agreement. I'm going to give you a perfect example. And yes, once again, it'll be a Beatles example, folks, but you got to understand the music to understand the music or part of the music business and the things that we take for granted now, you have to look at those that kind of kicked open that door, you know, where you had like a Ray Charles and Sam Cooke kick open doors in a way that it made artists think about ownership of publishing, ownership of your masters. You have groups like you know, there's, you know, like, you know, James Brown had gone to a place where no black entertainer has gone, you know, or virtually any entertainer, you know, maybe Elvis as a start, maybe a Frank Sinatra before that, but, you know, an Elvis that had gone where no one had gone before. Then you had the Beatles that had gone where no other group or artists had gone before. Then you have Michael Jackson that has gone where no artist or group has gone before. And because they went to those levels, that changed the game of the entire music industry and maybe inspired other artists to go, oh, well, I want to write my own songs or I want to own this publishing or I want to own my masters or I want to do business this way or that way. You know, some have some have succeeded, some have not. Um, but to use them as an example in 2022 for any type of new Beatles product being, you know, a super deluxe edition, these wonderful editions that we've gotten since 2017, um, the 2009 remasters of their original album catalog those things in order for those things to happen Paul McCartney Ringo Starr Yoko Ono I think um, I, I think Sean's kind of taken over a little bit um, if not fully taken over from Yoko as far as controlling John Lennon stuff but Anyway, good just again, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Yoko Ono, and Olivia Harrison, uh, George Harrison's wife. So those four, and this goes back to when, you know, all four Beatles were walking the earth, whether they were together or by the time all those lawsuits ended up getting settled after they broke up. 
all four parties, in other words, each one has 25% stake in their company, Apple, which was Apple before the Apple computers came along. Actually, the Beatles sued Apple and Apple couldn't use that name for a long time. But now that lawsuit settled and Apple was able to get exclusive rights to the Beatles getting on streaming. They were the, you know, they were on Apple first and then later everybody else. But they owned, they were 25% each. So John Paul, George, Ringo, or their respective estates, for those that are not on this planet anymore. They all four, and like I said, even when they were the four Beatles, if it was like, oh, should we tour? Should we not tour? Um, do we make this guest appearance? Do we not make this guest appearance? Um, do we lend our names to this endorsement? Do we lend our names to that? All four had to agree. So if three decided they wanted to do one thing and the other didn't, then there was no way it was happening. That record wasn't going out. That project wasn't happening. This movie wasn't getting made. This tour wasn't happening. And the one time where that didn't apply was the very thing that broke them up because when they no longer had a manager when they decided okay we need somebody to to handle our business because we're not handling business well three of them wanted alan klein paul didn't but instead of saying well we're not going to use alan klein the other three were adamant paul wasn't happy sued the group and long story short that lawsuit ended up saving their fortunes which is why all of all four of them continue to have a whole bunch of millions to this day. So all of that to say that what I hope part of this silence with the estate is them being on the same page to make that thing happen, to mean that all, what a, well, three parties plus primary wave have to agree on a thing for it to happen. So if primary wave and two family members say hey i want a parade super deluxe to come out next week if one family member says no that parade super deluxe ain't happening i know that's hurting some feelings out there but this is the music business not friend business in that and yes we want all parties to go to get along because there have been situations like for a brief period over the simple, not, well, maybe not simple because I'm not making these decisions, but something like a documentary on Frank Zappa for a while. You had some family members that were for it. You had some family members that were against it. And that hemmed up a bunch of stuff, not only just the documentary, but it held up other releases because they weren't on the same page. They were not speaking to one another or trying to sue one another. Uh, you had a similar situation uh, with James Brown. You had a, a wife or an ex-wife that was trying to jockey for position and you had his children 
you know, that were fighting over things. And that took just until I think last year for that dust to get settled, for that to get settled. And of course to say, nope, the children run this, this person does not, end of discussion. And that paved the way for those family members to make the business moves they needed to make, cash in. Um, and hopefully we'll, you know, we, we've seen a couple of releases, but again, I hope they're planning a strategy. So that's what I think, you know, I'm hoping that this silence is going to do. So take your time, the state, make sure everybody's on the same page. And, you know, then, you know, we'll, we'll start to see some stuff come out. Um, I know we kind of in this thing that tomorrow, and especially in this post-COVID era, um, this era of, you know, just total insanity. And that, you know, and that's something else to kind of keep perspective of as well. You know, we have time, but yet and still we don't have time. But, you know, look, you know, these are just records that we're talking about. And yes, granted, those records make us feel good. They got us through whatever, regardless of what era you were in or where your jumping on point was, regardless of any of that, that music was there. If you have it in your possession to listen to in any way, shape or form, let's just be grateful we have it in that way, shape or form. You know, whether it's a crappy sounding bootleg or, you know, whether you've had to sell off your physical collection, but you managed to download it to your computer before you sold the physical media. You know, let's just be grateful and granted, you know, if it's not of the best sound quality or whatever. Just take the time to celebrate what that music is doing for you at that moment because you don't have a guarantee. And I get that. But, you know, I look at the Hendrix estate. I look at the Zappa estate. I look at Bob Dylan's stuff, um, Motown stuff. And again, it could be worse. You could be a Michael Jackson fan right now. <laughs> But, um, you know, you, I look at all of those and I look at, you know, well, the late sixties, early seventies, you know, if, if those fans were, you know, say the youngest person was like 15, 16 coming up in the late sixties and early seventies. And, you know, they got all they had was just a vinyl that they've played over and over and. Maybe they were lucky to buy it two or three times because they wore the grooves off of it. But, you know, it's the 1970s and that's all you had. Or you had the A-track or you had the cassette. Whatever the physical media was, you know. And any bonus stuff, live albums, live tracks. If you were even hip enough to know about bootlegs, getting a hold of it, let alone having to pay for it was painful enough and then to add insult to injury you have where everything was left to Hendrix's father and he got cheated out of that you know he got swindled out of the rights and had to sue 
And it took 20 years, 20 years for that dust to settle. So the fact that for somebody that didn't have a will, you know, like Prince, for somebody to not have a will, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's all this probate stuff going on and deciding, you know, who's going to be the conservator of everything and why they're sorting out the tax debt because, you know, not having that will, the tax man is coming. <laughs> and you got to be ready for that. And then finally, you know, after four, five, six years, that dust settles. You know, that, that's a drop in the bucket compared to 20 years of fighting in court to try to get what's, you know, your rightful stuff back. And by the time 1996 rolled around and Al Hendricks got that, him and his daughter set up the Experience Hendricks LLC. And Hendricks fans have been kicking it ever since. I mean, they had the, the deal with, I forget, was it, uh, I think they started with Universal, had a licensing deal, and then in 2009 went with uh, Sony. Uh, for the licensing of everything. But the, the fans are still kicking it. I mean, there's there's very few things. Whenever a Hendrix release drops, you know, and they just dropped a live album from 1969 that I don't think anybody has heard outside of a bootleg since 1969. So 1969 to 2022, and this is finally dropping? Come on, y'all need to quit. Y'all need to just just shut up and just quit. Because it's like, look, you know you want stuff. We all do. We all do. But I know me. I want it done. And I want it done right. And again, I want all parties to agree. And again, I want the best quality. Because like I say, the Hendrix drops on There's very few people that complain. I've heard very few... I think I've, I've had one person which, you know, I had to, you know, kind of almost break down on the show where they they just had a hatred for Janie Hendricks. And I couldn't understand the reason why, because she was doing business with this businessman or something that was a Hendricks fan and had lent money to build this, muse, you know, put up the money to build a museum or something. But because I guess it was some corporate, you know, I guess he was part of the establishment or something like that, something crazy. You know, you know, that's the only time I've really heard of an unhappy Hendrix fan. Other than that, they've been happy. And I'm sure a lot of them are like, you know, they're in their 60s or 70s, you know, pushing 80, you know, or maybe 81, 82, 83 years old. That's like just now, you know, like I said, a live album from um, big concert Jimi Hendrix experience had in 1969 and that's just now dropping but look at it like I said they've been kicking it since 1996 so they've been enjoying the treats um, you look at Bob Dylan who's still you know they're still walking the earth with us and you know was kind of tired of people bootlegging his stuff so the early 90s you know he's been dropping you know box, I mean, maybe not necessarily box sets all the time, but special two, three CD sets, you know, here, these are, these are my 1980, you know, 1965 to 1966 sessions, that's two, three discs, 
oh, here's the remastered album, uh, the Blonde on Blonde. You know, there's one to, you know, Highway 64 Revisited. You know, here's this. Um, you know, just now dropping a box set, or it's about to drop, of the Time Out of Mind album. Those sessions, which is like 1990-something. 1996, 97, 98, whenever that album dropped. So, I mean, you know, again, you know, you're Bob Dylan. It's like, it's cool that, you know, there's people like me that jumped on board at 10 with the Beatles and maybe around college for Bob Dylan or something like that. You know, it's cool when somebody like me gets into that at that time. And, you know, by that time, a lot of this stuff had been 20 to 25, nearly 30 years old then. But imagine that person that was there when they were young from the beginning. You know, they were there when that stuff was unfolding in real time to where, again, you know, by 1996, they were probably in their 40s and 50s. You know, like, oh, he finally dropped a box set of the the Royal Albert Hall concert, you know, where he got cursed out for bringing the electric guitar on stage. You know, that had been circulating as a bootleg for the longest. But by 1990 something, that dropped, you know, and like I said, you know, those fans, they're in their forties, fifties, sixties, just now getting that. And then every, again, they've been kicking it ever since there's the worst I've heard, you know, when, again, when somebody shares a picture there, somebody shared a picture of the Bob Dylan, it was 1975 or yeah, 1975 tour, the Rolling Thunder tour. And it was like a 10 disc set or something, maybe more than that. And it was like, I guess, most of the the best stuff of that tour, 10 CDs, you know, and the worst complaint. Oh, well, I've got that on a bootleg already, you know, but they weren't cursing the dude out for him having the 10, the official release. You know, it was just like, oh, that's cool. You got that. OK, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm cool. I got the bootleg. You know, I'm, I'm good. And it's a good quality. I'm happy. I'm not about to drop 100 bucks, you know, plus on that 10 CD set, you know, whatever, or however much the sticker price was on it. But man, you know, just like I was saying with the eras, you know, let's stop fighting about the eras. I mean, yeah, we're consumers and yeah, we, we have a demand, you know, we demand product, but I want a good quality product. And right now, yeah, they're being quiet because, like I said, maybe the worst case scenario is that they're trying to figure out how to be on the same page because that is too many. You know, it's one thing if it was just all the family members, no primary way, but you're dealing with individual family members and their legal representatives versus a sort of major corporation And yeah, I could see where they might be butting heads on that. Not to say that they are. I have no inside information on that. But, you know, come on, folks. You know, let's let's, let's be patient. I hope that, they, or, you know, if it's not the worst case scenario, they're working on a plan. And I know there's been a lot of wrong. Oh, they can do. No, they can't. No, in a way that they can. But see, we're used to somebody like a prince. Or we used to somebody like, you know, a John Lennon that was impatient like that. Like he would record a record and would want it out next week, you know, or the next day. You know, because it was like, you know, it was that instant. You know, it was it was about that moment 
And, you know, to wait six months to a year or two years would have meant, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have that same impact because everybody be over whatever was happening or he was well past whatever was happening. And Prince on a consistent basis was like that. So you got to remember one thing. Prince had that forward thinking. He was the visionary in the equation. You know, the family, you know, because if the the family had that same drive, that they would all be famous too. And that's not a slight to them. You know, we know Tyga had a couple of records out or whatever. But like I said, there was only room for that one visionary. You know, there's one Prince. There's one Michael Jackson. There's one James Brown. You know, that regardless of who was around, you know, it's like, you know, Alan Lees was functional for what his purpose was in that organization, whether it was tour manager, archiving everything. But he wasn't James Brown. It took James Brown to be the one to come up with the records and put the band together to come up with that sound and stuff. You know, yeah, granted. You know, I was telling my wife about the Jackson 5. That was the first concert I went to. And, you know, even the 6. But, you know, looking back at it and things that I've listened to, because I have the Jackson 5 live at the L.A. Forum. And it's like a 1970 concert for the first disc. And I think like a 1971, 1972 concert on the second disc, which... That disc was kind of around the time when I first saw them at the Kill Auditorium, you know, here in the STL. And, you know, when you look at the records and, you know, the Motown musicians, they were the baddest. You know, nobody was nobody was beating that Motown, the Funk Brothers. It was like amongst the best musicians on the planet. They played on every single one of everybody's Motown record, Temptations, Diana Ross and Supremes, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, you know, all, all of those records. That was, you know, the Funk Brothers doing that. And for the Jackson 5, you know, Tito and Jermaine, you know, they had to replicate what those professional musicians, note for note, every night, and they held their own to do that but again there's only one Michael Jackson though despite how impressive that was alone to be able to go out there and then with their cousins on the drums and the keyboards and it was just just that rhythm section you know no horns you know the horns came later when they were the Jacksons but in 1970 and 1972 you just had you know Ronnie and Johnny and Jermaine and Tito holding that just holding that groove you know that's no easy feat but at again there's only one Michael Jackson so despite even that you know spectacular thing there's still only one Michael Jackson so you know their ideas because they were who they were they could think of those things they have that visionary or you know David Bowie or whoever they have that vision you know because they're always creating they're in constant creative mode you know the rest of us like i said some of us that have shows like i said we got our toe you know and compared to what 
our influences have accomplished. Really, we just had the pinky toe in the water compared to what these folks can accomplish. You know, so it's not so easy for us ordinary mortals, whether, you know, we understand the music business or not. It's not easy for us mere mortals to say, oh, why don't you just do that right there? Or you just do that right there. It's not that it's never, never that easy. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you know. It is never that easy. And we want what we want. You know, because we want it now. And like I said, in the face of whoever else you like or listen to, and their box sets are coming out, their vinyls being reissued, their CDs, are, you know, they're constantly coming out with material. You know, they're just in a better position. And a lot of this stuff, by the time we hear about the announcement, yeah, the stuff is completed and ready to go, where that stuff was manufactured a year and a half to two years ago when we didn't know about it or when they didn't announce it. You know, but it's it's going to take some time. I really, you know, hope that they're on the same page and that there is a plan in place. And I know somebody put up the clip of Sharon Nelson talking about, you know, what do you think of when you think of Prince? You think of the music and yes where is the music well it wasn't like we weren't getting music like I said we got one heck of a 1999 super deluxe a sign of the time super deluxe now I have some ideas if I was the one in charge you know and I'm not in charge but you know say if they called me up tomorrow and said Richard what do you think then I would have a definite plan going forward. And it would definitely be one of listening to the fans. I might do a episode of Mari Purple Talk or a Patreon exclusive episode um, about what I would do or what I think would work product-wise going forward. Um, but... Other than that, you know, like I said, it's not like we haven't been getting it before or we were used to getting it. And now we're kind of like fiends now, you know, where it's like, oh, we've been cut off. And now the withdrawals have started to kick in, you know, like, oh, I got to Where's that Prince Super Deluxe? Oh, where's that? Where's that compilation? Uh, why isn't the time stuff being reissued? Where's Vanity Six? I need that one. Uh, where is it? You know, <laughs> I get it, you know, but. I don't know. Like I said, for me personally, I'll end it on this note. I am looking forward to the Netflix documentary. I think basically a lot of it, and this is a good business strategy. This is a good, and granted, yes, I know we could have had something Christmas dropping, you know, or early in the new year dropping. I will say this. If it was me, I would say, cool, drop a little something for record store day next year. If you just have to drop something, drop something for record day and have it not be an exclusive release. Don't limit the copies. Just exclusively drop it on record store day. And then within that next week or two, 
whatever, two weeks or whatever, no later than a month later, then put it out into mainstream release. You know, whether that's a Camille album. Yep. Sorry, later, later folks. But, you know, just drop something like that real quick, you know, just just to have something out. But I would say, you know, try to put, you know, if Netflix doesn't have the the lockdown on this, I would say this would be a good opportunity for the estate starting off next year. The minute that Netflix documentary drops, have a good three LP, three CD compilation that ties into that soundtrack drop that and then let's go forward and again you know we creeping up on that 2024 so sadly for some folks you got to deal with purple rain again but i think i would predict this would be a better super deluxe and then after that you know like i said then kick your plan off and you know into high gear so whether it's, you know, just dealing with 2024, whether, you know, you dropping the ultimate super deluxe for Purple Rain. Um, I think one idea I had was that plus reissues of Ice Cream Castles, Apollonia 6, you know, just make that just the year of Purple Rain. And then, you know, whether it's before do the, you know, standalone of the birthday show. Um, for the Super Deluxe, you know, you can drop that Atlanta show for your live CD on that one. You know, keep the Purple Rain in Prince of the Revolution live. Keep that as a standalone release. You know, that's dropped. That's cool. We got it. We're good with that. We don't need to see it anymore after this, you know, until the next whatever technology, you know, Super 90K blu-ray technology comes out or whatever we don't need to see that anymore but after 2024 then you kick that plan into high gear you know i guess i got some ideas on stuff you know but i'll save that for another episode but i i think that's what i think is going to go forward and like i said i know we want the stuff now just everybody be cool be patient you know it's 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 gonna happen and we're gonna be happy and it's gonna be good quality. There'll be some thought behind it. Um stuff will go on there for the errors that it's intended, you know. I I, th- I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. I know we're kinda tripping off of we talking about scarves or something now. And you know, I could care less, you know, I could care less. Oh, it's, it's, it's the parade album cover, but it's got the symbol, the, the, the symbol, uh, look, we into this branding thing now. And that's, you know, that's a part of them. It's kind of like past, present and future. And especially because of how the circumstances that brought us to this point, you know, past, present, and future are now intertwined anyway. So, you know, again, let's not get off into, ooh, you know, again, the 80s were your period, cool. You know, 2000s was your era, cool. 
let's not badger each other because that's counterproductive. You know, like I said, I don't see Hendrix folks beefing over, oh, he, he you know, why are they releasing the, the, the ones with the, the two white guys all the time? Oh, why is it always the experience stuff? Why, why aren't there more Band of Gypsies material? Or, you know, I want to hear the, the, the vault, just the studio recordings from the vault. I don't hear that kind of beef. You know, it's just like it's Hendrix. And you, you, your job is to just listen to him play guitar regardless, whether it's a concert, whether it's a, a studio outtake, whether it's the original album remastered and, you know, remixed, whatever, you know. Um, Beatles fan, you know, like I said, they kind of, they get a little snobbish a little bit, but at the end of the day, they, they, you know, they still celebrate it. You know, they either buy it or most of them buy it and think it's great. And there's only a few, just a few that's like, oh, I, they, they messed that up or I don't, I don't like the way Giles Martin did that mix or whatever. I'll, I'll keep my original, you know, they just keep the original vinyl and keep it moving. They just keep it moving. You know, they just, they just, you know, they're just grateful. And that's the thing. You know, like I said, if they make gross, grandiose mistakes, yeah, people, you know, they call out, they get called out and, you know, they take, you know, whoever takes responsibility and either, you know, they either defend their decision that they made or they'll go, oh, well, we're sorry we upset you, the fans. Well, we'll, we'll take that into consideration on the next release, you know, or, or we'll we won't release that anymore. You know we. That's just how it should be. Um, but other than that, what do you think? What do you think? Um, is the silence bothering you? Uh, should you, you know, I don't know. Can you contact the estate and let them know what you want? Or I don't know. I would personally. I don't know. Maybe this is something I can work on for 2023. Um, you know, to have somebody to come on and, you know, just kind of, you know, just talk about how this works. You know, what's, you know, what they can talk about, you know, because a lot of stuff you kind of want to keep it a secret and keep it as a surprise too. You know, that's the fun of it too. That's why, you know, back when, I was a kid, you know, there was no internet, you know, um, I wasn't reading billboard as a kid, <clears throat> you know, that came when I decided to become serious about my musicianship, you know, then I was reading billboard and all that stuff, but you know, it was just kind of like you woke up one day and bam, there it is. It's right there in the store staring at you like, Hey, I wasn't here last week, but look, check me out. You want to take me home and listen. You want to listen to me, don't you? <laughs> you know, that was that was the beauty of it. Or um like I say, you know, those those Saturday nights staying up late watching um Don Kirshner's rock concert. And it was the they showed the music video for um Rufus and Shaka Khan, you know, do you love what you, what you feel? You know, I hadn't heard it on the radio yet. I mean, it might have been on radio for like weeks and I just kept missing it. Um, but like I said, there was no internet 
you know, and I wasn't reading Rolling Stone magazine or whatever, hardly anybody's magazine. I don't even think right on a black beat yet. I don't even think I was even hip to those magazines yet. But, you know, there's Don Kirshner's rock concert. I was staying up late every Saturday night to check that out. And that video was on. And I was like, oh, that's the new one. You know, and, and Don Kirshner kind of had that little deadpan voice. And yes, and this is Rufus and Shaka Khan with um, their new single, um, Do You Love What You Feel? And, you know, bam, there it was. And it was like, oh, whoa, okay. Um, and I think within that same week, it felt like that same week. Um, I think earlier that day, the Jacksons were on American Bandstand and there was Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. Like, oh, that's their new one? Oh, cool, all right. And then it was some special for UNICEF that was on and the Bee Gees came on. It's like, oh, and this is their new single, Too Much Heaven. And if you buy that 45, the proceeds will go to UNICEF. And it was like, oh, word, I like that song. Okay. Those, you know, and like I said, maybe that next week or whenever I got, you know, allowance for shoveling the snow or whatever, you know, was doing, being good that week. You know, it was like off to the record store, Hudson's Embassy. Drop down, those are the four, the first three 45s I got with my own money. You know, seven-inch singles with my own money, you know. And like I said, no internet, you know, no Rolling Stone magazine, you know. It's 13, you know. I wasn't into the reading those yet. Like I said, it wasn't until I was becoming a serious musician that I started to read those things. So, yeah, you know, that was, that was the beauty of music. You know, it was just like, it was like a surprise every day or you turn on your radio and bang, there's something, you know, now it's, you know, all this advanced warning, you know, because of social media and all this other stuff. And, you know, so the surprise is only in just how, you know, how good is it, the record going to be? How is it going to sound? Where it's just like, surprise, I got a new record out. <laughs> you know, so if it's, you know, so, so far, if it's going to be a little bit of that at some point, or at least until an announcement is made, it's going to at least the initial impact is going to have that same feeling for me. And I'm okay with that. And so, with that said, we're going to end it with two. You know, there's a lot that's just been going on that's been too heavy and too crazy in the world, you know, or at least, you know, for the world, this country, you know, to where people don't get to wake up and be mad that there's not something coming from the Prince estate, you know, or that their favorite super deluxe has not been announced. You know, there's people that's, that's, that don't get to wake up anymore to either be mad at that or no longer be grateful for what they have because, you know, another person's idiotic decisions you know, lead them to unnecessarily 
ending life is so you know that's so precious regardless of age whether you're a young person or old person whatever you know there's people that don't get to no longer celebrate their favorite artist or celebrate anything or somebody's birthday or or whatever or just enjoy somebody's company you know people don't get to do that or even not to that extreme some people that you know don't even have a good decent place to sleep or even get a decent meal to where you know our favorite super deluxe is it's 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 irrelevant at this point you know so i would just say in the spirit of that and in the spirit of the artist that we celebrate i think that if he were here he would rather us focus on celebrating the joy and the preciousness of life every day and not worry so much about when the next record is coming because the record is already there and when you do finally get access to it that whatever the the hatred or the anger or the sadness or whatever hopefully when that record does drop then you get to celebrate the fact that that record was able to wash that away even if only for just a few minutes and let's just kind of you know let's just kind of go with that going into you know this holiday season also so with that tune in next week or next episode and don't forget to check out um patreon page you know become a member get some free stuff for your membership for your membership dollars and uh you know let's build this up and you know hopefully that can help help some people down the road as well and also too i did and this doesn't cost you anything um but we funk to the last band it is slowly making its rounds to mainstream media so you don't have to become a band camp member or donate so what i'm asking to do is to vote with your streams you know go on there check it out tell other people about it you know i mean you know it's it's what i do it's what i enjoy you know it may not be everybody's cup of tea you know, I don't get up here and claim to be Luther, anybody like that. You know, I just kind of do it because I enjoy it. And I just like making noise. I like putting noises together. So, you know, check it out. It's on, you know, I have the links to that. Um, but though, you know, the more it streams, so go out there, share it. You know, like I said, if it's not your cup of tea, then, you know, that person you know might enjoy it. You know, share it so they can find it. So definitely check that out. And again, see you next week. And until then, create your day and create your life.
Peace.